the, then the thing that really sets me off is, well, once we have a vaccine, then everything will go back, back to, to normal. normal. Yeah. And I say, you mean like the flu vaccine that's 8% effective? Doesn't work. I catch if, the I mean, flu. if I had a brake pad manufacturing company for cars and my brake pads were 8% effective, I would be out of business. George Floyd was not taken out because he was black. George Floyd was taken out because he was owed major drug money by Derek Shaven. You're making vaccines that are 8% effective for the flu that you have to change every year, which, by the way, give most people that take them the flu. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me that this new, and they can't sue, you can't sue them for this without going through the VAERS court, which is a joke. And you're going to tell me that once we have a untested, brand new, rushed through vaccine, then everything is going to go back to normal? Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, they're going to test it in Africa like they're doing, kill a bunch of Africans, pay them off $1,000 per person, which is the maximum that they have to spend if they kill somebody. So they already know that because it's way cheaper to kill them there than kill them here. Found out what the Chinese Communist Party, the Red Dragon, is doing to these people and have been doing to these people for the last 20 years in China, sending hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghur Muslims, house Christians, and Tibetan Buddhists. Particularly, 95% of um, the victims are Falun Gong practitioners to be state-mandated hospitals, concentration camps, death camps, military facilities, uh, military facilities run by the Chinese military at the behest of the, of the highest-ranking officials of the Chinese Communist Party to create a illegal sanctions forced organ harvesting business. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Defender podcast. We are coming to you from the greatest country in the world, deep in the heart of the Lone Star State, Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Paul Aguilar. We really appreciate you guys stopping in. If you guys are watching us here on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well as that bell icon so you don't miss a future episode. Also hit that thumbs up button as well. It would really help us out. Uh, if you guys are on the go, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio at Truth Defender Podcast. Uh, if you guys want to follow us on social media as well, you can find us on Twitter at Defender Podcast, Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast, as well as Facebook at the Truth Defender Podcast. Also, if you have any questions or concerns or any kind of comments for myself or our guests, if you have any guests or topic recommendations, you can email us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Today's guest is Mr. Leo Zagami. Leo Zagami is a writer and researcher who quickly became popular on the web in 2006. Without further ado, Mr. Leo Zagami, how are you doing today, sir? Very well, very well. I'm glad to be uh, on your show, even if you are having a little bit of problems, uh, mostly because uh, you're working from a platform that I deem a little bit dangerous for me, which <laughs> and, uh, uh, every time I have anything to do with Zoom, uh, even if uh, I, myself, I use StreamYard all the time, so I use Zoom uh, very rarely, but every time I use it, I have the impression they're playing around with us. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely. Yeah, it feels like uh, every time I have somebody on that uh, they probably don't want to hear much of the information from. I always have issues as well. So I'm definitely going to have to try changing things up on my end as well. Um, but no, I mean, we'll we'll make do with what we can. Uh, like I said, if you have any issues, of course, of course. just let of me know. Course. We'll get it sorted out for you. <laughs> No, no yeah. worry. Now, as I said, I don't know if it's the Chinese government that likes to play around with Zoom all the time that is doing it. 
or if it is because you have a problem with the bandwidth on Friday evening, right. but it seems like uh, you are uh, very, it's very difficult to hear you huh. on this yeah. side. I'm really sorry to say that because of course... No, no worries, no, no worries. No, yeah, it's, it's probably, we're probably getting messed with here on our end, but um, let's take a look and see. Got everything working. Yeah. Just want to make sure. This could be, uh, of course, possible when you're dealing with the government, like the Chinese government. I mean, uh, earlier on, I was just doing a, a special on the life of Mao Zedong and all uh, of his uh, criminal activities, aside from how he actually raised to power. So, right. Uh, no, Fortunately, I didn't use Zoom for doing that. <laughs> Otherwise, it would probably just a couple of minutes, let me tell you. Right, right. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... But it's, uh, it's, it's good to hear you now a little bit more clearly from Texas. Uh, and, uh, of course, I appreciate what you're trying to do. No, thank you. I appreciate your time. Um, no, yeah, so, I mean, we just wanted to get here and I guess get started with... Um, obviously, China and their entire role on what's happening in the world today, um, you know, they've, we all know that the Chinese virus actually uh, is not something that came up naturally, but it's actually man-made, um, you know, out of the labs from Wuhan. Um, and we definitely know that it's not just something that happened by accident. Um, you had the protesters that were in Hong Kong as well. Um, Trump was actually bringing a lot of the factories and things like that back out of China, um, you know, back to America, Japan as well. Um, you know, they were starting to leave China. I just wanted to kind of get your, uh, you know, your thoughts on, I guess, China as a whole and what they're doing to the world nowadays. Okay, China, uh, well, it's a very complex matter that goes back uh, over a hundred years when uh, the Republic of China was first formed and that happened after a, revol uh, a sort of revolt, uh, and I'm not talking about the bo boxers revolt, I'm talking about the 1911 one. Uh, because of that revolt, uh, it kind of started the process uh, whereby the uh, dynasty that was in power uh, got dethroned by the revolutionaries. The revolution those uh, though they were not actually communist, uh, they were nationalist. Right. They became communist only after uh, the Soviet Union started a gradual process that built up what became known as the uh, Soviet Republic of China. And that happened in the 30s, and it happened with the help of the Soviet Union at a military and strategic level, so they could actually build a society that would reflect not only communism, but the Soviet style of communism. So it was almost a franchising. Now, what happened was it didn't really work out very well because uh, uh, in the end, the nationalists reclaimed the power and they cornered uh, Mao and uh, his followers for a brief time. But then he uh, came back very strong with the help of uh, the Soviet Union and managed to overtake the nationalists, but not only the nationalists. At that time, of course, behind uh, the nationalists, there was a secret society as Tian Dui or uh, Hongmen, uh, the society of uh, 
the earth and the, and, and the sky, more or less that's how you translate it. But it is one of the most ancient uh, uh, Illuminati of China secret societies that is born out of a legend uh, that uh, it all starts in a Shaolin monastery with the usual uh, Shaolin monks and their Kung Fu arts. Of course, it is a legend, and it is a legend because because what happens with Freemasonry is that there is a lot of confusion also with the regular Chinese Freemasonry. The regular Chinese Freemasonry uh, was actually born in 1949 when Mao Zedong took power and forbid uh, Freemasonry in mainland China. Then in Taiwan, which was the last remains of the Republic of China, uh, it actually preserved and, and, and founded their first Grand Lodge that was recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England and by the regular network of Freemasonry. But instead, the, the, the other form of Freemasonry, the Chinese form of Freemasonry that to this day is very influential worldwide and counts over six million members worldwide, well, uh, that form of Freemasonry was simply uh, adopting the symbols of Freemasonry, but was in reality a very ancient uh, secret society that uh, was born to uh, support the uh, Ming dynasty. So uh, it's, it's, it's very complex what we find in China because then uh, at one point uh, the uh, Chinese Freemasons of the Hongmen, they uh, protect the city of Shanghai uh, from the communists but then they were not strong enough, of course, to protect it from the Japanese uh, that were, of course, the enemy uh, that at one point uh, really uh, made of China uh, a place of a conquest, if you remember Manchuria. Mm -hmm. And so the, 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 what happens here is that Mao uh, eventually manages in 1949 after the Second World War, after Japan is defeated, of course, and we all know how, uh, at that point Mao, uh, for a period, actually uh, started having a, a relationship with the U.S. government between 1944 and 1947. The U.S. Uh, started the, what is known as the Dixon Mission. Now, the Dixon Mission is basically something that went on in a period of three years that didn't really manage to to, to arrive to anything consistent and proved to the Americans that it was almost impossible to uh, convert in any way Mao Zedong and his revolutionaries to a form of democracy of any kind. Uh, and what happened instead is that uh, there was, though, some uh, Americans, uh, uh, left-wing Americans, from the very early days, even before uh, Mao took control and actually when he was in charge of the Soviet uh, Republic of China, there was a guy uh, very close uh, to him and this uh, person very close to him basically uh, became uh, a sort of close advisor and then uh, in turn in 1937 he wrote a book, a book that I think was called Sky Over China or something like that. I just have to find it so I can be more correct with you uh, on, on how it was entitled. But that was the first book really 
that um, gave an idea to the Americans uh, of what was really going on inside China since the fall of the empire in 1911, 1912. Uh, there was confusion and there was not really any clear news of what was going on inside China. How, having said that, uh, um, some Americans managed to uh, get very close to, uh, to Mao Zedong, but at the, in, in, in the one that I think is most known uh, was a guy who met him uh, by pure chance. Uh, he was trying to meet with the, 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 the Chinese Red Army uh, in a way to, to gather information for the American government, and then he managed to get closer and closer to Macedon. So what happens here is that after 1947, so after the Americans tried a point of contact with Mao Zedong, uh, the relationship broke. But uh, many years later, actually many, 20 years later to be exact, um, Nixon made a statement, made a statement in 1967 that he wanted to open up to China. Now, uh, I think that was probably the biggest mistake, but it wasn't his making, it was probably Henry Kissinger's uh, advice all along. Uh, however, in 1969, when he installed himself and he presented the idea uh, to the world, uh, he said that China couldn't be left isolated, a country with such a history had to be kept in contact and part of uh, the global economic structure. Um, and you can understand that this is, the, the, from this moment onwards, so from 1972 when eventually Nixon manages to arrive in China after there is a, uh, a visit by Eric Kissinger that prepares the way, then at that point, uh, uh, what's happened is that uh, they get closer and closer. Shanghai Shek, uh, who was instead the founder of uh, really one of the leading figures, uh, he was restricted to the island of Taiwan, you see. So the Republic of China started and maintained its control over most of China after the revolt of 1911 until 1949. After that, it was kind of shrinked and it became Formosa, Taiwan, the island that basically was in the hands of Chinese Freemasons, of the Hongmen, who at the same time, though, moved their operational headquarters, so let's say the criminal arm, which is the triads and all that, from Shanghai to Hong Kong. And from Hong Kong, they were free to continue, of course, as there was the British in charge of, uh, of Hong Kong. Um, and, 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 and then, uh, of course, the Americans attempted in the 50s, uh, after seeing that uh, Mao Zedong had become a threat, after seeing that the Chinese communists were, of course, now not anymore, uh, once... Uh, they dismantled the Soviet Republic of China and they failed. When Mao Zedong eventually reinstalled and managed to take control, he founded the, of course, the People's Republic of China that we all know. So the first experiment actually failed because he was rebranding a Soviet style, while instead when he took control in 1949, 
he uh, at that point was creating a Chinese style of communism takeover and that Chinese style of communist takeover cost millions of lives to, to the Chinese people because what happened was a reckless way of dealing with things that didn't manage to really bring food on the table of the Chinese people and it brought them to a level of starvation in which at one point they actually not, didn't only consider but practice eating their own children. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so th that was like the failure. But then uh, if you think about it, it comes in their aid what is supposed to be an anti-communist, Nixon. But Nixon at the same time is a member of the Bohemian Grove uh, with Henry Kissinger. They're both members of the Bohemian Grove. The Bohemian Grove is very close to the Skull and Bones. The Skull and Bones had been dealing with China forever. And in fact, in 1974, they would send George W. Bush and Barbara together to Beijing when, after the deal was made in 1972, Nixon went to China. Now, he arrived in China and he spent a few days in China. Um, the, he met four times with the premier there, but only once with Mao Zedong. Because Mao Zedong was not even the premier, he was considered like the father of the nation, an almost godly figure. And the strange thing is, if you see the newsreel run by the American media back then, you can hear the, the level of, uh, it was like, this honor was only given to Nikita Khrushchev to meet Mao Zedong. And Nixon has been surprised and is now meeting our leader, you know. And even in the American newsreels, they were giving that kind of version of the things. It wasn't much different from what they were running in, in China. So it was already then kind of strange to hear Americans bowing down to a communist leader. I mean, Nixon giving the possibility. Who cares? It was like they were really, even the, 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 the American mainstream media was already presenting this Mao Zedong as some kind of godly figure. And why is that? Because you have to understand, Mao Zedong was one of the few people in the middle of this crisis that killed millions of people of famine in his own communist China, where he said things like, kill this kind of birds. And then all the farm, farmers were killing these kind of birds because they, they, they thought they were harming the farms. And those birds are actually responsible for a series of things in the whole uh, chain, food chain. And he screwed up the, the food chain in China simply because of in, uh, inefficiency and crazy ideas like killing the birds uh, of one kind because they disturb the, uh, his idea of, of, of farming. And so the ignorance also was very, but militarily, no. Militarily, it was very strong from the very start. Uh, Mao uh, was trained, of course, partly by the Russians, but they didn't do it simply by sending one of them. They sent uh, these communists from Germany, from the Illuminati of Germany, called Otto Braun. Otto Braun was a spy, was a secret service operator, was somebody who will go back uh, after uh, 1949, uh, later on he would go back to Germany, he would live in Eastern Germany, and of course he would work uh, in close contact with the Soviet Union, but he was actually chosen by the Soviet Union to go and assist Mao to train his army. Um, Mao was particularly clever in guerrilla tactics. He was actually the first one to champion guerrilla tactics at such a point that when in the 40s there was this brief liaison with the, 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 between the American and China, 
American God inspired to uh, um, actually to, to, to uh, start their own uh, particular guerrilla unit. Okay. So it, it kind of even inspired uh, the, the American forces. Imagine that, because uh, the, the, the way that uh, Mao Zedong was fighting this war was completely different from the ordinary. You have to understand that uh, up until uh, the Second World War, pretty much uh, you had no involvement of civilians when it came down to warfare. Mao Zedong didn't care. He started what is known as the Long March that will eventually bring him to power. And this Long March was basically Go, roaming the, the, the continent of China from one side to the other, uh, trying to avoid, of course, the army of uh, Shanghai Shek, uh, the army of the Republic of China. And, uh, uh, and then at that point, uh, there was, though, something that he, he, he did that was the winning uh, solution. He decided to infiltrate after uh, he had to... Uh, let's say, break the Republic, the Soviet Republic of China. And of course, the nationalists had a moment in which they kind of, they were still strong. Well, he decided to infiltrate the actual commission of the revolutionary of Shanghai Shek and all those people. And the Freemasons of the Hong men were infiltrated by communists. And uh, of course, uh, they themselves took control of everything and managed in the end to... Uh, to restrict, as I said, imagine the person who uh, really uh, created this initial revolution that was supposed to be nationalist ended up with a little island called Taiwan. It's pretty incredible, but that's what happened. Um, and, 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 and at the same time, we have uh, the, the, these Illuminati from Germany that worked for the Russians, that trained the Red Army, and, and trained also... Um, Mao to become the leader of tomorrow of China and he became this leader and up until his death he was literally a god in China and, and so um, nowadays we are suffering that that uh, bowing down and that acceptance of China within the world community that was forced on to us by people like Henry Kissinger, who of course are the main players of this new world order. Um, they sold out eventually America, they gave China the possibility to even infiltrate America, infiltrate the universities of America, uh, corrupt the whole political party because gradually they managed to corrupt the whole democratic party and that's it. It's a foreign force with hostile intentions and the way they actually arrived to power uh, was always by cheating, stealing, killing, and never respecting the rules of engagement. So this idea that we can have in the world community uh, an acceptance of China, like they are a normal country, well, we have uh, finally seen with the present pandemic crisis what China is capable of doing. Uh, lying uh, and, and, and of course uh, trying to avoid scrutiny and uh, proposing in the end uh, 
a different version of the events and even accusing America of having created the virus because it fits their own sick narrative. So I hope that this gave you a clear idea of, uh, of what we are fighting here. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you never hear, yeah, you never hear criticism it. from anybody, um, like on the news or anything yeah. like that. It's obviously infiltrated the schools. They've infiltrated the news. Nobody ever says anything bad about them. Um, but there's a lot of people that come to school here from China. Um, and I've heard, you know, that they only come to school. I hear you. I have heard. Yeah, sorry if I interrupt you, but I hear you very bad. I I think it's a very important figure. And... I think that uh, uh, people need to know that the, 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 the actual path that China embraced could have been very different if they accepted, first of all, what Sun Yat-sen did and then what Shanghai Shek was trying to do because, of course, they will have embraced the West, they will have become a different kind of nation. But what the Communist Party promised instead was lies upon lies upon lies and promises upon promises upon promises about a reality that, of course, now has partially brought millions and millions and millions of people because the Chinese are it's basically part, it's a great part of the population of the earth. We have to face it. They are really numerous. But to actually bring them to a level of economic decency, and that is what the political party of today with President Xi Jinping is promoting. And he said it the other day. He said on Chinese TV that he's promoting a moderate, decent, way of living. He's not saying we're going to have a great way of living from now on. A moderate. He's kind of like starting to play it down because he knows, of course, the consequences of what is about to happen. He's trying to shield himself from criticism. You see, um, people have to also understand that the Communist Chinese Party is uh, at times uh, suffering intestinal uh, conflicts. President Xi Jinping is the son of a very close friend of Mao. But at one point, Mao kind of dropped him. And so then uh, President Xi Jinping, the son, suffered uh, in his uh, younger years from a form of rejection from the leadership of the Communist Party that did then in turn react to, even psychologically, building up his uh, force within the party, and now, of course, changing up even the rules so he can be kept uh, uh, for, for life, as a dictator for life, without the possibility of ever encountering another election from the Communist Party. But this is, of course, even a stretch by communist rules. Because we have to understand that for the Communist Party up until now, the first thing is Mao Zedong as the father of the Republic, the pop, of this uh, um, Communist Republic, of the CCCP and the whole show. But after that, and of course with his uh, uh, lifelong controlling of everything, because he was the guy who had fought this battle to make China communist. But after that, the other people have followed always have to more or less 
present the results to the Supreme Council of the Communist Party during the yearly meetings and satisfy their needs, if not to suffer uh, a defeat. And probably, uh, uh, even if, of course, the people who maintained the power in the end were always close to Mao Zedong. So they were kind of like still his friends or people that were close to him. Xi Jinping represents a new kind of China, still connected to the old uh, elite of the uh, Chinese Communist Party, and also somebody who has opened up officially to the Vatican for the first time, making the Vatican participant of a Catholic state-run religion in which now uh, Xi Jinping is uh, plotting to persecute every Christian, taking away every cross, but leaving on the surface this Catholic church that the Jesuits, of course, have, in, have now modeled more and more around communism, because that's what Pope Francis is actually doing. So um, I think it is very important to learn uh, what is behind the history of uh, uh, of China, because there has been certain errors that have been made, of course, uh, by past governments, uh, and errors that were made deliberately, because they were the fruit of compromises, because the Illuminati had always controlled the opium trade, and the skull and bones, and part of the Yale University setup was all constructed with opium money. So this link was always there and uh, between the Chinese Illuminati and, of course, the West. And uh, they, they convinced, in the end, uh, these people, of course, that were loyal to them to open up America to the possibility that China could join the worldwide community and be like everybody else. They gave... They really constructed around China a fake image and they helped doing that. Decade after decade after uh, Nixon uh, set foot in Chinese territory and he then opened these gates of, uh, uh, he actually said it. He was there with Kissinger on, on the plane. Right. And he talked about opening this gate to this, uh, and then he also talked about uh, uh, I remember during that trip, he said uh, that the Chinese built this uh, great wall, but we will have no walls with, uh, with countries like China. We will be embracing them, uh, you know, because they are a great nation with thousands of years of culture. This is really in synthesis what, what uh, Nixon uh, said. He, he was uh, very much responsible for uh, what we are living today. I mean, it was the biggest uh, um, mistake, and it was deliberately made, because, not because Nixon, the politicians, or Nixon, the Republican, but because of Nixon, the member of the Bohemian Club, that yearly goes to the groove, and there they decided that it was about time to let China into the game. China could represent in the future cheap labor. They knew that that could be the key for big business, and they actually, in the end, achieved what they wanted. And from that moment onwards, really, Henry Kissinger became the gatekeeper of this whole show. 
So whoever was in power in China didn't really matter because there will be always Henry Kissinger. Uh, and still now that he's still alive at the tender age of, I don't know, almost 100, but the guy is still alive and he's still a powerful player in this game. So uh, I hope that people can understand that we need to study very well and very closely who gave birth to this uh, satanic, because it's satanic, communism is satanic. So I consider satanic also uh, the, 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 the uh, communist China. Right. I consider satanic communist China, I consider them a godless country. But it's also true that if Joe Biden wins the next election, China will basically take over the whole of America. So it's like a nightmare. It's, it's gone. I mean, it really involves each one of us. And uh, America needs to really uh, responsibly vote to obtain uh, and maintain the freedom they have. Right. Yeah, you mentioned Henry, Henry Kissinger. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's still alive <laughs> somehow, <laughs> but um, are in China. They are controlled by the communists, the Chinese Communist Party. Anything that goes through Zoom will eventually get uh, get you uh, to be monitored, and they have easy access to this uh, through Zoom. It's, 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 it's very much important and a priority for all the people who are doing alternative media now to realize that we can't compromise. So even when we're using an app, we're using a computer, we're using anything, we need to understand that the, if there is the hand of the Chinese, then we, we have to be very careful. And unfortunately today, to most of this hardware, everything is built in China. So we need to really redirect and reconstruct a complete new economy living out to China uh, and the possibility that they can ever interfere with their reality. This is very important because uh, the Illuminati have decided to use China as a role model because they are the ultimate despotic uh, dictatorship, the ultimate cruel nation. They are also the biggest, the big, the, the, the bigger liars in the world. The ones that have still the courage to go in front of the camera of the mainstream media after they pay them millions of dollars, talking complete rubbish, talking lies, and then uh, because of the millions of dollars that have been paid by them, the mainstream media media just goes along with it so far. I think that this election really will finally um, makes us, make, make us understand, uh, make all of us understand if uh, we are still uh, slaves to the old traditional media or the new media, which is the internet, uh, who is uh, really running the show. But mostly, if they vote for something like the Democratic Party, then there is something wrong here. There is something profoundly wrong because everything they represent is anti-American. It's like voting for, for the Chinese Communist Party. So, I mean, I don't know if anybody in the right sense, in the right mind will vote freely uh, for the Chinese Communist Party. This is a party that uh, senses uh, everyday people on the internet. Uh, uh, it, it kind of does facial recognition. It does uh, uh, 
basically social credit score, they are really the role model of uh, the Orwellian superstate. And they also involve in building up uh, the artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, which is basically considered the critical, uh, the most critical technological asset of the future. Yeah, just like with that. Africa and and I must say that we have just across the border in Canada, a big example of leptards who have really given their soul to China. They, 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 and, and only recently, because they have, been, they have been put under pressure by the United States. So we have seen what has happened with the, the arrest of that Huawei representative. But uh, Canada is really a place that is very dangerous because uh, it has been infiltrated by communist China for a very long time. At the beginning of the 70, Mao Zedong said, well, we have a step right on the back door of the United States. Right. Referring to Canada, yeah, Canada's so, really lost, Canada. <laughs> lost. <laughs> lost, 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 completely lost. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely you yeah, talk definitely. about like AI, talk um, about like AI with that um, application TikTok. With that application TikTok. Yes, well, then you have also the, the the various apps that are used to gather information. TikTok is only uh, but one of them, but definitely the one that is uh, considered strategically important because it's the only uh, Chinese one that has really made it uh, here in the Western world. And if uh, we uh, add uh, our personal information on TikTok, uh, we end up giving it to the Chinese government. Uh, that means in the future they can uh, have access to sensible data, but also understand our personal choices, our personal uh, political inclinations, our religious inclinations. Um, through a few seconds on TikTok, they have... Uh, the possibility for artificial intelligence to really scrutinize a reality, like, I don't know, I make an example, it can be the United States, but it can be any other country in the world. So uh, TikTok uh, seems just uh, an innocent uh, playground for people who is just want to have uh, a few seconds of laugh online. But unfortunately, it is representing the downfall of society that is also represented by Facebook. Facebook, we know very well uh, that now, of course, uh, they are being grilled uh, like, it happened, uh, like uh, the other day we have seen Bezos and the whole show and Martin Zuckerberg and, and Tim Cook and the other guy from Google all grilled. Uh, but in the end, they are capable of uh, blatantly lying. And uh, in China, for example, uh, social networks uh, are... Uh, considered a strategic asset of the state. Nothing uh, that goes against uh, uh, the, the, the Communist Party is authorized on Chinese internet. And that was also one of the problems, also the beginning of uh, the Wuhan crisis, because uh, as soon as uh, that doctor attempted to just expose uh, the, the lies of the Communist Party, boom, he got arrested instead of actually exposing the truth. So the, the, strategy, or the strategy of China is to control every aspect of your life 
gather information and uh, identify you as simply a number in the system. Um, for Mao Zedong, in communism, in Chinese communism, no one was essential, only him. I mean, it was almost like a cult, and it was a cult. It was, a, you know, I mean, it, it was a, legal, a step further from uh, uh, the Soviet Union. It was really the cult of personality of Mao Zedong. And, and, and he uh, launched this, uh, this concept, which still is reflected in Chinese society. Everybody else is dispensable. Now, President Xi Jinping, he thinks that he's the new Mao, the new dictator, the new this and that. But I heard from the last uh, couple of weeks of Chinese news uh, made from credible media that are, of course, not the ones that are uh, used by the CCP, uh, that there is problems within the Chinese party, that uh, President Xi Jinping is actually starting to have a few problems because, of course, uh, there is still some of the old uh, friends uh, of uh, Mao and uh, that were closer to Mao that uh, are starting to wonder if it is maybe too much to give all this power to this person after uh, this, uh, this situation with the COVID-19 virus has uh, diminished really the power of China. If you think about it, China is now less credible, is under the scrutiny of many nations, nations that were actually uh, almost infiltrated uh, uh, in their totality, now suddenly they go against China, like Australia, for example. Right. And even Canada had to start, uh, you know, since uh, uh, the last few years, they had to kind of move back and, 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 and take action because it was too obvious that, that they were uh, being too much, uh, too close to the Chinese Communist Party. So, in the end, I think that this uh, virus has not necessarily helped uh, President Xi Jinping, though he has, of course, married into the whole New World Order use of this virus, which is basically use this virus to gather and gather and gather more data. And that is really what this virus is all about, regardless of the uh, economic consequences that are, of course, very obvious to everyone. And China is probably the less affected because they regard the human value a lot less than us here in the West. So they don't care if a million, two million, three million, who, who, uh, they can have a million viruses. They can have the bubonic plague one day, swine flu the other, and another 10 viruses uh, going along and killing hundreds of thousands because in the end, nobody's essential. And they have millions and millions and millions of expendable human flesh. That's how they consider their citizens. And I think that uh, the, the, the problem here is that we're starting to see that is a problem, of course, for the Chinese Communist Party, not for us, that maybe finally some Chinese are opening up to the idea that maybe communism is not the right ideology, is not the right the way of life, but they, they have very limited uh, possibilities of disagreeing because the CIA has always failed when they have sent agents to try to uh, move any counter insurgents, any insurgents that could 
the effective against the Chinese government was uh, deemed already impossible from the 50s, from uh, in the early 50s, the CIA sent, uh, I think, 212 CIA agents of these uh, 212 CIA agents, 101 were killed, the other one arrested. So, I mean, it wasn't uh, a, a positive outcome for, uh, uh, for, for the CIA. And the only time they managed to do something uh, that actually functioned in China was when they pulled out a few of those people that had rebelled in Tiananmen insurrections and they managed to take them out of China before the Communist Party would kill them. So that was one of the few operations that they managed to do. But even uh, between, uh, I remember seeing uh, that between 2010 and 2012, uh, so we are in the middle of the Obama era, um, well, there were something like maybe 18 CIA agents arrested, uh, killed, uh, and, 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 and basically we don't hear that much about it because uh, of the Obama era, because of the will of the Democrats to uh, keep on in this mission that was also of Nixon, that was of Bush, because the thing is that it wasn't really the mission of a political party. The mission was created by Harry Kissinger, Bush, Nixon, Bush then kind of gave it to Clinton. Clinton gave the same mission, carried it on. It's like a torch and carried on to Obama. And then at one point there's a vacuum because then there is uh, Trump and it screws up all their plans. And so at that point they have to find a solution. But the solution is uh, uh, to create something that can uh, derail Trump presidency. And they tried with this pandemic. And where it comes from? From China. And, and, and so it, it's pretty obvious uh, that they have tried all along to use uh, this uh, pandemic. Uh, and people, of course, uh, use as an example the Spanish uh, influenza uh, when it comes down to the coronavirus. Uh, I would like to say that uh, um, the Spanish influenza was also uh, the result of uh, a laboratory uh, then, then was a kind of escape a lab, and then through the soldiers entered into civil society. I wrote all about it in my book here. In my latest edition of Volume Five, I have 140 pages dedicated to the uh, to this uh, uh, coronavirus, to this uh, Wuhan virus, however you want to call it. Right. And uh, what I wrote uh, up until now has been proven completely accurate, uh, including the Wuhan lab where it was created, the Wuhan virologist, which then disappeared after showing up at the U.S. Embassy in Paris. Uh, we are uh, in a situation which is unprecedented, so we don't really know what's going to happen with this virus. Because once you let out this virus out of a lab, then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always the product uh, of a lab. It's not the product of nature. Right. Um, back in the days of the Spanish influenza, there were four waves of, of it. Uh, after the summer and the, relax, the relaxing of the, of, of, of the lockdowns, uh, then it started again, and then uh, they went back relaxing, then it started again, and then in the end, when it started the, uh, the fourth time, it was... Uh, finally depotentiating, meaning that it had lost the strength. Now, I can tell you from what I see in Europe that at least uh, from what I have heard, 
the latest waves of coronavirus seem to be much less dangerous. The problem here, though, is that they are letting a new, more powerful strain in from North Africa. Mm. And this strain is probably, uh, is probably a strain that has been uh, worked out in a lab in Addis Abeba where they opened a new center for uh, uh, the World Health Organization. China sponsored 300 million to have the center open, so imagine that. Uh, it got the, uh, the guy you all uh, now know, the head of the World Health Organization, um, elected after the prior head of the World Health Organization was actually a Chinese uh, who, who came from the Communist, Chinese Communist Party. So that they have taken control of these institutions from the, of the United Nations for a long time. Uh, they are buying their way into capitalism to then destroy it. It's, 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 it's really a vicious and uh, a crazy circle what they have created. But uh, what I'm asking here is, uh, don't the Democrats have also at heart the future of their own uh, children? Because uh, there is no future once China takes on uh, the world. There is no future for America once China takes on the world. So I hope that sooner or later, even the Democrats will be forced to do the interest of the nation. Otherwise, you have to label all of them as foreign spies. Right. And I mean, that is a little bit far-fetched at the moment because they seem to be in control of uh, half of America. So, Well, the left is supposed to be tolerant. That's my take. Well, that's what you, that's you always do. <laughs> well, the tolerance, you see, is built out of their passive aggression. They are the party of passive aggression. They are the party that uh, builds up an image of rightness on a pedestal that is, uh, of course, uh, um, an, arti an artificial pedestal. So artificial pedestal means that uh, they are not really believing in what they say. But they can do everything because at the end of the day, they go on their pedestal and they say, oh, we are in the right. This is this. This is that. When Obama talked at the funeral yesterday, <laughs> was I don't know if you followed it. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. One of the, the, the things he said was absolutely incredible. I mean, he compared. Black Lives Matter and Antifa, basically the people who are destroying cities all over the United States, to the father founders of the United States, and he compared them to Martin Luther King. He, I mean, complete and utter insanity. Yeah. And, uh, and so that gives you an idea of who we are coping with. So I have uh, uh, worked for many years uh, in searching the ultimate antichrist. I have uh, written an article back in 2008, February 2008, in which I stated that Obama, who was not yet elected, would become president and he was likely to become the next and maybe the ultimate antichrist. I actually wrote it on rents.com and you can find still the article on the bloodlines of Obama, because Obama at the same time seems to be just a guy out of nowhere, but he's also, if you go and see his bloodline, he's related even with Dick Cheney. 
Mm. He is related with uh, various bloodlines of importance. So the, the mother uh, kind of married him in, 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 into the bloodlines a bit, while instead the father was obviously a product of Islam. And, and so uh, we know from a prophecy that was made uh, over 100 years ago in Russia that uh, he fits uh, all the various, uh, the, the prophecy in Russia said that he will be a lawyer, that he will please people, he will actually preach peace and all that. But then he was actually lying. So when I saw Obama yesterday lying so blatantly and politicizing uh, the funeral of, of course, somebody who helped in the rights, in the human rights of the black people who marched and, and talked also publicly, spoke with uh, Martin Luther King next to him. I mean, of Herman course, King. I hope we have to. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. The, 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 the one who died. The one who died. Sorry? No, the, the, you very well. the one who died. Uh, 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 Herman Cain. The one who died. Uh, Herman Cain. No, but Herman Cain is for the... Demo, uh, you, you mean Herman Cain is for the uh, Republican Party. Right, right, right. He's the one that... Yeah, he's the one that died. Right, right, right. No, I'm, I was uh, talking right. about uh, the, the, the guy who died from... Uh, uh, the the uh, for Democratic Party. Right, right, right. Uh, of course, Herman Cain was a completely different uh, different man. He died, of course, we know coronavirus. He was a Republican, Tea Party activist. Uh, he grew up in Georgia and graduated in a situation probably he rose from poverty in the segregated South, of course. But uh, uh, it's it's like uh, the, the Democrats are instead. Uh, mourning for their own hero, as you know. And Obama was there to, uh, to mourn for his own hero. So I, I, am, I am pretty shocked that uh, Obama can use a funeral for a political uh, thing. And it was the funeral of Lewis, who, of course, uh, uh, John Lewis, uh, is, is somebody who has, as I said, participated in some way also to the human rights uh, movement uh, for, for, the, for the black people in a time in which uh, they had no rights. So aside from that, using the funeral of, uh, of, of Lewis to uh, preach against your uh, political enemies, I don't think that that is... Uh, of course, uh, a good thing. But of course, uh, John Lewis funeral, we had uh, Obama, Clinton, and Bush play, play, pay, paying uh, tribute all together. And it was uh, um, very much what also Bush said that uh, made me think uh, these people are all together in this, trying to make America look bad. And that's not uh, really what America is all about. So the neocons and the Democrats have always helped sell out America to the Chinese, destroy the foundations of America. And I've been saying this for the last 20 years. And finally, people are catching up with it because in 2006, I actually gave a series of interviews between 2006 and 2007 with Greg Zismaski, in which I explained how the Illuminati were basing their whole philosophy and their whole future government on the Chinese concept. 
So I was uh, at that time maybe a bit prophetic, but I guess the people now are catching up with it. Right now, yeah, absolutely. Um, you spoke about the Vatican. How about the Vatican? How deep is China into the Vatican? How, how deep is China into the Vatican? Uh, okay. Um, I have written about it in this book that I'm going to show you. Here we are. It's volume four of my confessions because it's a story that goes back almost 500 years. It started in 1541 when the Jesuits were formally launched and accepted in 1540 by the Vatican and launched their missions. And of course, what Ignazio Loyola did, the first thing he did was to send his closest disciples to China, India, Tibet, and uh, basically Matteo Ricci arrived in China, he entered the imperial court, and he became part of the imperial court. Imagine that, a Jesuit that comes from Italy, from, well, who left Italy, uh, blessed by, Matteo, by Ignazio Loyola, managed to arrive and actually work with the emperor. That's how um, the, 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 the Chinese controversy started, because uh, the Jesuits started to get closer and closer to the religions that were practiced in China, and then they picked up on these rites and they wanted to bring them back to the Vatican, and they proposed these rituals to seven different popes, but seven different popes uh, basically told them to, to screw themselves. And that's great because fortunately we didn't have this uh, uh, the acceptance of some kind of weird Chinese uh, rite. But at the same time, now instead that the Jesuits have finally taken over the Vatican in 2013, from 2013 onwards, the CCP, the uh, Chinese government, has made sure that uh, the Chinese Communist Party gives the Vatican every year at least $2 billion. And they have bought out the Catholic faith by doing that. That's crazy. I mean, it's... I mean, it's. I don't understand how they can have so much sway. How they can have so much sway in the Vatican? It's crazy. In the Vatican, it's crazy. Well, the Vatican, you see, the money had to come from somewhere, and the Vatican has always been very opportunistic from the very early days of their foundation. So I guess they didn't really do anything new. They always had the people either from. Uh, a royal family or the other in Europe, uh, uh, in some way financing them. Uh, it was uh, the Spaniards, it was uh, the Portuguese that were, of course, Catholics that poured into the Vatican uh, gold on gold on gold, and Jesuits who became uh, very powerful in South America. Uh, they, they stole all the gold of the Inca, the Aztecs, and God knows what. So, um, now that uh, the Chinese are so powerful, they own the U.S. debt, they have basically uh, control over so many U.S. politicians. And at the same time, they control even the infrastructure for a lot of the products that are consumed here in the United States of America. Well, I mean, it's like the next thing they want to do is to construct a base on the dark side of the moon or something like that. And actually, they are thinking of doing that. And Elon Musk is even joining the party, probably. And they're going to do that with Russia. So finally, 
Russia has in a way uh, got back uh, what they invested in. Russia has always been very close to China and they have this uh, closeness because they were the ones who really, like I said earlier on, 10 years after the foundation of the Republic of China, launched the, the communist, uh, first communist base in China that gradually expanded. I mean, it was actually called a communist base and they actually launched it on one specific town in China and then expanded to various towns. And it's like a virus. Communism is a virus and China has been sick with this virus for way too long. And I think that uh, the patient is uh, irremediably sick and uh, they will never be healed from it. So now the problem is how we're going to be healed from uh, the Chinese communist virus in all its forms. And I'm not talking only about the virus simply because the virus is what's happening now. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about communist China as a virus uh, in many different ways, economically, uh, politically, uh, religiously, by destroying all the religions that are in their way, by crafting a new version of Christianity. The, 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 the persecution of Christians in China is a reality. Right. And uh, for us in the West, to accept all that means that we are really in the end times. Yeah, you can't be a Christian and uh, vote, yeah, Christian and, vote uh, Democrat. Vote Democrat. This doesn't mix. Well, on that one, you are completely right. You, you can't be Christian and both Democrat because uh, they are demons. And actually, I have labeled them in my book, Democrats. Uh, so so it's, uh, it's pretty clear where they want to go. There is another book that I wrote, which is very important, which is this one. Uh, and it's volume 6.66, which is actually giving you the story instead of how the Jesuits are involved with the very foundations of the World Wide Web and uh, the artificial intelligence takeover, which is, of course, run uh, uh, with China. China is uh, working to become the biggest AI operator in the world. They want to do that by the year 2030 because that's when everybody really in the business knows that by 2030, the AI will be in such a position of dominance respect to us humans that whoever, uh, whoever has the most powerful AI rules the world. Right. Why is it always seen, it always seen? like the Jesuits are in the middle of everything? Hello? Sorry, but uh, I can hear you trying on Zoom. <laughs> with your podcast uh, for all the patriots right can and hopefully we manage to next time i mean maybe we can uh, uh, we can have you on through the use of streaming yeah. uh, without going through, through, through Zoom in any way right I, I apologize yeah we're having some serious issues right now. Yeah. seems like the signal guys See, I don't think you can you hear me there. Yeah, we're having some serious issues, uh, technical issues here. Um, well, sorry about that, everybody. We're going to definitely have to have uh, Mr. Zagami back on. Um, 
yeah, we just, I, he just couldn't hear me at all. Um, so we're definitely going to have to have him back. Uh, I apologize for that. We're having some serious issues. I guess that's what happened. Like he says, when you speak ill about the Chinese, um, they just try to shut everything down. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't get to go into his books and things like that. Like I had wanted to before um, we started, we were having some issues from the start, but um, yeah, if you guys please check out his book, um, Confessions, Volume 666, The Age of Cyber Satan and Artificial Intelligence. Um, yeah, you can find Mr. Zagami also, who is a regular contributor to InfoWars. Um, he's also one of the founders of Italians for Trump and Trumpiana de Italia, the first Trumpian organization uh, out of U.S. created to support the election and later the work of President-elect Donald Trump. Um, yeah, it's like I mentioned, um, you guys can find him on YouTube as well. He has his YouTube channel, Leo Zagami channel. Um, you can find him on Twitter as well. Uh, or you can find him on his website, leozagami.com for any other information you need. Uh, you can find his books on Amazon as well. Uh, but like I mentioned, his, his website, leozagami.com is where you can find most of his articles or pretty much all of them actually. Um, you can find all of his work. He's also streams all the time live on Twitter. Um, and on YouTube as well. But um, I really apologize. We definitely had some serious issues going on here and we'll have him back on again here soon so we can go ahead and finish this uh, interview the right way. But um, like if you guys need to find us, you can find us as well. Uh, YouTube, if you're watching us right now, please go ahead uh, and hit that subscribe button, uh, hit that bell icon as well, and also give us a thumbs up. Uh, maybe not this episode because it was pretty much crap, um, and I apologize. But um, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio, uh, Truth Defender Podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Defender Podcast, Instagram at Truth Defender Podcast, as well as Facebook, uh, Truth Defender Podcast, as well. Um, you can go ahead and send us an email. Um, if you have any questions for myself or our guests, we can go ahead and get that out to them. You can find us at thetruthdefender1776 at gmail.com. Uh, once again, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely sorry. I was really looking forward to this interview, um, but we just had some serious issues. Uh, we'll have to get that resolved, and we'll get him back on for another time uh, and do another interview with him. Um, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you coming out and listening to whatever you could here. Uh, everybody stay blessed and stay frosty. Have a good one.